God working in us and in the heart right where other things become uh, in the full flower and full beauty. And then we will move in the heart to our minds and how our minds play a part in uh, our behavior and how we act and how we live. And then if we get our mind right and our heart right, uh, those things that come out of us are holy, they're righteous, they're good, they're pleasing to God. Well, this morning we're talking about uh, the soul, or the sermon title, Detox the Soul. And uh, God, and, and how God has created us, and how God has worked um, uh, in each one of us. He touches on each one of those things. As I said, my prayer, love the Lord of God, heart, our soul, all your mind. And as that part, the soul is the very, uh, very essence of who we are, our identity. So there's a question that um, Wesley asked in, um, in his accountability groups, in his small groups, in his class meetings, in his bands, and, and how is it with your soul? How is it with your soul? Now, what uh, a weak, uh, question that we have on a daily basis is, how are you doing? How, how are you? And I'm doing fine. And uh, we say, how are you doing? And you might say, well, I'm busy. Who's not busy? I mean, who is not busy in one way, form, or another? And but here, Wesley asked the question for a person in a, in a small group with one another: How is it with your soul? And that takes a whole different line, doesn't it? You can't say, "Well, what is my sentence? I'm busy today." It takes you to the very core of our being. Well, I think what John Wesley was reflecting was what I see in Matthew 16. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? What if they would gain everything, get their heart right, get their mind right, have all the positions they ever want and need, and then the one thing they let slide is the soul. They forfeit the soul, Jesus says. Uh, the soul contains our true self. And I believe it's a stronghold of our greatest courage. So if we have a healthy soul, we know our true selves, that is the place that we have a stronghold to perform great acts of courage. So the soul's value far exceeds anything in human possession. Now, uh, I didn't put it up here on the screen, and I have it in my notes here, but if you want to look to Matthew 16 in your Bibles, there's a section there, that as I was reading it, uh, you know, Matthew, Matthew is the gospel for me that I read for the month. So I read, I read Matthew. So on day one, January one, I read Matthew one, uh, January second, Matthew two, so on the 16th, I came across the scripture. And then I, as I read it, I said, God, this is in essence a three-part sermon, a three-series sermon that I just had already. And so let me read an commentary, a few comments as I read these four verses in Matthew 16, verse 22, where it begins. Whisper Jesus said, Now I'm going to suffer and die many things coming a priest soon. And Peter the leader of the group, the one that was pretty opinionated, and spoke before he thought. He said this, and as I'm reading this, 
hopefully you remember some of my nuggets of my sermons from previous weeks. Peter took him aside. Jesus, come, come over here. I need to talk to you. Took him aside and started telling him, telling him what to do. Or giving his opinion. Can you imagine that? Peter's pretty confident. He's pretty strong in his true self, you might say, or his self. He said, never, Lord. He said, this shall never happen to you. You remember my first sermon about the heart? Did you say all or never? That's the first sign that something might be going on in your heart. It's not there. Peter said, Jesus, never, Lord, never. And then Jesus turned to Peter and said, most cutting words Jesus probably could ever say, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. And then he goes on and says, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So there we have it. Never all the heart. God, you have in mind the things of God. Peter, you have in mind. It's not in your mind. All you have in mind are things of this earth. And then Jesus said to his disciples, now wasn't that pretty bold of uh, uh, Peter, talking to Jesus. Jesus, here, let me, let me tell you a few things in front of everyone else. That's, that's pretty bold for you, too. Everyone's hearing what, Jesus, what Peter's saying. And, and then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me will find it. And then the verse what good it would be for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul. That's how valuable the soul is. More than the heart, more than the mind, the very soul. That's what salvation is all about. The gift of salvation transforms the soul. And then when, when the soul is healed, the heart and mind begins to all work together. You can love the Lord your God by your heart, by your soul, by your mind, with all your strength. Have you ever been caught in a lie? Oops. Got caught. I love it. You know, this is a fellow in a cartoon and has the hook on the lip. Ow. Have you ever caught in a lie? 12 years old. Mom and Dad caught me in a lie. Uh, where we live on the block, the basic guy was do not get off the block. Do not cross the street. Do not cross the street. Well, a friend of ours lived across the street. And uh, I guess maybe I thought I could get away with it. My friend could get away because he was under the same kind of boundaries. Do not get off the block. Well, we went off the block. <laughs> I was like, no. How could anybody know? Well, we went off the block, went to his house, and, and did a few things, and, and uh, some things we should have done, and, and then got back on the block, and I went home, and I don't know how mom and dad found out, I had no, I still this day, I have no clue how they found out, but it's probably the look on my face, you know, that look, the headlights look, thinking, my son, when I ask him where he was, he might be, he might be alive, and uh, I remember, Mom on one end of the table, Dad on this end of the table, and maybe it's because I was late for dinner, 
Didn't have a clue. Didn't think of orders and all that stuff. And mom said, I think mom was the mouthpiece, dad was just the look. Uh, where were you? Where were you? And, and it turned the two year old, I thought, oh, man, a great line. That, that worked. And then mom said, no, you weren't. Maybe they're calling my bluff. Whatever it was, that they caught me and I was found myself, you might say, back on the other side of the block. And in no man's land, I had a hook in my mouth and they caught me in a lie and I had to confess. Dad, Dad, and Mom, I was across the street. Now, to this day, I don't know what the remember the punishment. All I know at that moment, it felt like punishment enough. I was caught in a lie. And I remember at that age, you know, my being being very tender is, man, I disappointed my mom and dad. I hurt them. It really hurt me. And they helped me boundary the boundaries that, uh, that they set. Because of our fallen nature, I just, that's only one I'm going to share with you. There's many others I was never going to share with you. Of course not. There's no way. But, but because, as we acknowledge our fallen nature, Everyone will eventually give in to temptation and choose their own way instead of God's way. You know, I know when I'm coming back from my friend's house, what am I going to say? How am I going to, am I going to and trying to come up with my own way of justifying or hiding the lie? Well, the first part of how to detox the soul, or not how to, but what happens is covering it up. Well, I think if you cover it up, no one knew. Well, that's what Adam and Eve did, and that's the Genesis story, right? In essence of the fall, Adam and Eve thought they could hide. They, they, they hid from God, they, they covered themselves up, and then they thought that would work, but it isn't. Uh, that was their first response. But covering up one's disobedience, and this is where the toxic stuff, and when you cover up your own disobedience, it dumps toxic waste on your soul on your soul, your most valuable, eternal possession. Cover me up. Well, I was at the crossroads in the kitchen, across from my mom and dad, and what I decided to do at the crossroads was to cover it up. I'm going to cover this up. I'm going to bury it. I'm going to tell it there. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Or what they don't know won't hurt them. From the first couple weeks ago, what they don't see won't hurt them. And we see that to ourselves. We lie to ourselves. Maybe if I forget about it, it won't hurt me. We're lying to ourselves. I, I know in politics, if you watch all these movies about politicians, you know, deny, 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 you know, it's continue denying, and it gets to a place maybe I want to forget. Well, I, that could work, but you and I know we're on a different plane. We're on a spirit, we're on a political plane, we're on a spiritual plane. And by denying God, we are distancing ourselves from, uh, from a responsible thing to do. We're at the crossroads. And the crossroads is this. It's a crossroads of, of cover or confess. 
sometimes it seems that we, we try to uh, cover it up. Here's the scripture from Proverbs 28. Who conceals their sins doesn't prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Now I understand the word prosper here really is uh, increasing the value of your soul and how you are in relationship with God. It's not, I guess I see this not as prosper as there's going to be more money in your pocket. You're going to uh, go on wealthy, wealthy and healthy. I see this as a spiritual matter. Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper spiritually. And the one who confesses, renounces them and finds mercy. Prosperous. Cover. Confess. I'm gonna, I ain't going to, I'm going to cover this up. Yes, I'm going to cover it up. It's going to work this time. Oh, this time you've done it before. Cover it up. Well, I came across this line, I think it's appropriate for our message today. The question is not where we are, it's where we're headed. It's not where we are, it's where we're headed. See, Satan, the evil one, evil influence, wants to keep you where you are. When it keeps you where you are, but it's not where we are, it's where we're headed. Now that you're caught in a lie, now that you know this, this, this sin is just uh, causing all kind of toxins to fill your soul and you feel disconnected from God, where are you headed? Which direction are you going? Uh, this, is how, um, this is how I came up with it. Is how are we, going, uh, are we going to head down the slippery slope further into the pit of denial? That's one where we headed. Or head into a place where we embrace Listen to this now. To embrace a soul recovery plan where we can find greater strength and greater courage so that we can detox our soul. So we can continue to head down a slippery slope or we can head to a place where we begin to experience a soul recovery plan. <coughs> the scripture that was read this morning and in their own eyes, they flatter themselves too much to detect or hate their sin. I used this a couple weeks ago, and I want to bring it back today, is that, that uh, we may not even know that we're lying to ourselves. We may not even know that we're damaging our soul. And because we've gone so far in the wrong direction that, that we are hurting our own souls, and we can't even detect, we're going to desensitize to whatever sin that is. That's creating great toxins in our soul. Have you ever said this to, uh, to your kids or to yourself or someone else? I like this. Oh, what tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. So we'll be stuck. Oh, what tangled web we weave. And here, when first we practice to deceive. In this line, the word first. It's not really that table web, really, to me, it's, it's the word first. First, we practice the And that's the taking us away from God, and we deceive ourselves, and we damage our soul, and we continue to dump toxic stuff on our soul. And you wonder why you're not spiritually alive. You wonder why God's not talking to you. You wonder why, what's going on here, Lord? Why aren't you talking to me? 
the web that's been created is to deceive himself. Well, in, in Luke, Jesus talks about this in Luke 17. For there's nothing hidden that will be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out in the open. We can hide from people, we can hide from situations. You know this. We know uh, as persons on the way uh, to glory, we, we know we can't hide from God. We still try to convince ourselves. Wow, God doesn't know about this one. You know, I can hide this. This won't affect me or the people around me. And we hide. Um, so how do we practice uh, deception? I'm not going to leave that in the how-tos. You use each and every one of them. But uh, if you found yourself in a lie, like I when I was 12, plan A was to erase. Erase any knowledge that I've ever been over there at, uh, at my friend's house. Now, Friend, now don't tell anyone that you that was over you because if you do, I'm going to be in big trouble. So you erase all memory of everyone's memory of trying to say to, to deny it. Well, plan A doesn't work. You go to plan B is to lie about it. Well, I would never do that. Mom, I would never go across the street. I would never see that friend. I would never do that. I would. And then you go into the elaborate lies of plan B. Plan A didn't work. So plan A didn't work. Plan B didn't work. Well, then plan C, you find other schemes. It gets you around, it gets you out of trouble or away from the situation. Now, that all took place with, with David and Uriah and Sheba. And that's the whole story. And it's our human nature when we find ourselves dumping toxic waste in our soul. We, we, we try to follow one of those three planes. They're all together. So there's nothing, there's nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. So no matter how hard I try, no matter how hard you try, you cannot hide from God. We can't hide from God. If I'm here to give you hope, we have to acknowledge the sin of the force. We have to acknowledge that we have souls that are so great value. And sometimes we, we just have to face the truth. So in facing the truth, we have to examine ourselves. And sometimes that's a good thing, sometimes it's a painful thing, but it's an important thing. God, how, how is it with my soul? And you begin to examine those things. God, are the words that I'm using that bring their all kinds of toxins or, or sin in my heart, my mind? Are you poisoning your, your relationship with God by things that are drawing you away from God instead of towards God? Well, I think when we face the truth, uh, we stop hiding. It's time to stop hiding and start seeking. And facing the truth is saying, God, I've been hiding from this. I've been hiding from myself and I'm hiding this from others. And I want to have a relationship with you, God. So, and it's not hiding or facing the truth. You have to ask tough questions, right? Do you have a secret addiction? 
some kind of drug. It's a pornography. What is this? That's only you know, no one else knows. What is that secret issue? Do you struggle emotionally with, with your own self-esteem? Do you do things that, uh, that uh, negatively affect your body? Binging, purging? Are you inconsistent with your intentions and your actions? You say one thing and do another? Do you idolize success and material possessions at the expense of your own soul? Gossip about your friends so that you can look better. At least I'm not like so and so. At least I'm not like Pastor Kurt. This is tough. I know the silence just because there's a big, heavy, a big, heavy fog just came in this building. And uh, I think that's okay for a moment. Uh, These are questions we ask ourselves. I think it's time to stop hiding and start seeking. God wants to have a relationship with each one of us. Was whoever I looked this up and it's not in the Bible. It's one of those, well that's in the Bible somewhere. Um, confession is good for the soul. They're saying that they lose to that, but there's not that phrase in the Bible. <laughs> it's not in the Bible. I decided to find it, and I thought she, she's a resident. I, you think I'm an expert, she's the Bible expert. <laughs> so I did research that right away. Uh, it's true, it's true. Confession is good for the soul. Psalm 36 alludes to it. There's other psalms that allude to it. Uh, confession is good for the soul. So when we confess to God, we're saying, God, I need your forgiveness. And here's the turn down the river. Here's the turn where you might say the dark clouds in this room begins to be lifted off. And, and when you confess, God offers forgiveness to any and every sin. Every single one. There's no sin too dark. There's no sin too gross. There's no sin, there's no sin that you, you feel like cannot be forgiven. There's no sin. But confession is good for the soul. And it's ABC. Acknowledge your sin. Believe it makes us sick. Spiritually sick. Believe it. And turn back to God. That's ABC. Acknowledge your sin. Believe it makes you sick. And turn back to God. Because read this, believe it makes you sick because there's, oh darn it, I got caught in that lie. Next time I'll lie better. Right? There's true remorse. There's deep sorrow. There's true repentance. That's when, that's when that relationship with God turns and God and His authority, God's authority says, I forgive you. That's when the cloud is lifted. That's when we take the road of confess instead of the road of covenant. That's why get ahead of myself. <laughs> That's why it's much easier to lie. And it's harder to confess. 
The easy road is continual. A hard road is the goodness. Well, in Psalm 51, verse 1 and 2, in the reading part of our prayer, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. What a beautiful prayer. What a beautiful confession. Well, I have these transgressions. Block them out. Psalm 143. Uh, I read the Psalms all month long, and when I read this psalm, I said, God, this is a prayer. It's David's prayer, but this could be my prayer, could be your prayer, or prayer of confession, or prayer of forgiveness, prayer of transformation. And I'm going to read from my, my good old 1988 Bible that Andy got me. And uh, I use today, I'm going to use today, Psalm 143. It's a short psalm. And the reason I picked this psalm out is because you can go home and you, in your Bible and you can mark one, Psalm 143. It can be your prayer later today, later tonight, all week long. And I'm going to read it to you. O Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for mercy. In your faithfulness and righteousness, come to my relief. Do not bring your servant to judgment, for no one living is righteous before you. The enemy pursues me. Now probably in this case, David enemy was a group of people or individuals. I want to, I want to put this as the enemy could be that hidden sin that barks at your ego, reminds you that you're not worthy, that, that kind of destroys your soul. The enemy pursues me. He crushes me to the ground. He makes me dwell in darkness like those long dead. So my spirit grows faint within me. My heart within me is dismayed. I remember the days long ago. I meditated on all your works and considered what your hands have done. And then listen to this verse. I spread out my hands to you, my soul. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit faints with longing. Do not hide your face from me. For I will be like those who go down into the pit. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. There's a lot of good things that happen in the morning. First day, first day, daybreak. Let the morning bring word of your unfailing love. For I put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go. For to you I lift up my soul. Rescue me from my enemies. O Lord, for I hide myself in you. Teach me to do your will. For you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life in your righteousness. Bring me out of trouble in your unfailing love. Silence my enemies, destroy my foes, for I am your servant. Psalm 143. What does God say? It's good news. What does God say? You are forgiven. If you 
have this very moment have got a mental confession, a heart confession, and just in your mind, God, I confess. Just right this moment, I'm here to tell you right now, you are forgiven. And how does that look like? God does not remember your sins. God has thrown them in the sea of forgetfulness. They are as far as the east is from the west. Hear God's voice echo in your soul right now. You are forgiven. The road to confession leads to great healing. And there's another half of the confession. It's courage. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There's a spiritual, spiritual healing that takes place when you forgive. When you are renewed in relationship with God. Confession is good for the soul, but also it helps your physical body as well. Your, your mind, your heart, your, your, and your whole being. And as you confess, you are physically being healed. And one, that, one way when we confess, sometimes we need to let some other person know. Someone that you can trust. Someone that will come alongside you and help you. It could be a very strong spiritual friend. It could be a mentor. It could be your pastor. To help you in those moments when you're weak. And you can find a place of healing when you confess to someone else. Confession encourages, creates a chain reaction of miracles that establish a stronghold in yourself. I think that's what God wants for each one of us. To have God be very sinner and that's a stronghold and have great courage, great boldness to do the God and right thing each and every day. I'm not perfect. I don't need I, I soul recovery plan. God, may we know that we're loved. May we experience 
this relationship with you now and always. Because, Lord, if you do a miracle in me, if you do a miracle in each person here today, God, I believe, no doubt, others will know and recognize it and will ask. How did you find such peace? How did you find such courage? How did you find the hope to live in this world? How did you, how did you do it? And we can tell them it's by your hand, by your healing, and by our confessing to you that you are the Lord and Savior of our life. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.